Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. Brilliant stuff. Let's thank Stuart. Thank you. So, uh, so Stuart said vision, and, uh, and I don't know if you noticed, but uh, we're into 2020 now. The, uh, the roaring 20s, the new 20s, and in my opinion, they will be the better 20s. Uh, and, uh, and we start every year, uh, as is good to do, by, by naming the vision, by outlining the vision that we have as a church. And, uh, and ultimately, it, uh, it kind of goes without saying, but, uh, but it should be said, that the vision that we have, and ult- the, the ultimate vision we have, is God's vision. And God's vision for his church is laid out in this book, uh, the Bible. And, uh, and God's vision for his church is, uh, is that it would go into all the world, it would uh, preach the gospel, it would make disciples. And ultimately, God's heart is that none may perish. That is God's heart. That is what he wants. That is his vision. And so different churches across, uh, across the world, across the globe, uh, have their own vision, have different ways of outworking uh, vision in their setting, in their environment or their culture. And, uh, and, and Alive is, uh, is no different to that. But, uh, but at the very centre, every time, hopefully, uh, is God's vision. Everything is all from God's vision. And so this year, uh, the start of 2020, we're focusing on, uh, on the vision that we believe God has given us. God has given a live church for our setting, for our environment, for the outworking of his, of his ultimate vision into where we are. And I've been rereading the vision. And, uh, and if you'll notice, the vision, uh, there are vision leaflets around on some people's chairs, and they're available from the Connect Desk as well if you'd like uh, to, uh, to read it. I'd encourage you to do so, because it's where we're going. Uh, and, uh, and so I've been reading it recently, and, and it's worth noting this. Our vision starts like this. We see alive as a strategic multi-site church made up of thousands Made up of thousands. The very first sentence in our vision statement pertains to size and to growth. And, uh, and, and, and it says a church made up of thousands. Now this is big faith. This is big vision because in fact churches of thousands in the UK are actually reasonably rare. And yet we believe that this is a mandate that God has given us that we will see a church made up of thousands. And often, uh, often it can be that, uh, that some people uh, can get a little bit antsy when we talk about size and we talk about numbers. You know, it's not all about numbers. And to some extent that's true. Um, but, but I'd like to read from Acts, uh, Acts um, 2.41. And in this, in this passage, uh, we're seeing the start and the formation of the church after Jesus has been resurrected, taken up to heaven, and we're seeing things really kicking off. And it says this, those who accepted his message were baptized uh, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And I don't know if you know this, but 3,000 is a number and, uh, and it's a fairly big number as well. And so when God sees his church, he sees a big church. And, uh, and we're not just talking about bums on seats. We're talking about the people that we will see in heaven when we get there. And that is the number that we want to be a big number. Bums on seats does not necessarily equate to the people that we will see in heaven when we get there. It'd be great if it did, but it doesn't always, uh, that's not necessarily the case. 
But we want to see people with a real relationship with Jesus Christ on a discipleship walk with him, uh, who we will see in heaven when we get there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Brilliant. So all this talk of vision then, uh, all this talk of vision, 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 vision. The word vision is starting to sound pretty funny now, isn't it? Vision. Uh, all this talk of vision. What is vision? What is vision? What, how can we define vision? Well, the Bible defines vision as being the faculty or state of being able to see. The faculty or state of being able to see. And uh, our vision statement starts, we see alive. We see it alive as a church made up of thousands. This is something that God has shown the leadership of Alive, has shown us. This is where we are going. This is the road that we are on. And so we have this long-term vision for where we're going, for where God is taking us, for where God is leading us. But we also must have short-term vision to see how we get there. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? So if you imagine a, a road, and it's a road that we are on, and we see a church of thousands, which is where we are going, uh, made uh, on the road, and it's, uh, it's in the future. It's on the road, but it's on the path. It's a destination. As we go along that road, there are things that we encounter along the way, things that come into focus, things that we need to invest time and energy and resource into uh, so that we may get to uh, the vision, the destination uh, on the road that God has laid out for us. And so across Alive, that is what we're doing at the start of 2020. Um, we are prioritizing, we are focusing on six statements, six areas of our vision statement, and they are multi-ethnicity, discipleship, which we spoke about last week, leadership development, prayer, evangelism, and influence. All of these things uh, are from our vision statement, the, uh, the, the vision that God has given us, and these are our focuses, our priorities into this year. And so in Newark... In Newark, um, God has laid on our hearts uh, three of these six. Three of these six that we believe God wants us in Newark to focus on this year. You know, I firmly believe that we will see in Newark uh, hundreds into thousands of people come to faith in Jesus Christ through our life church. That is my firm, firm belief. I think that God wants to do big, big things in Newark. A while ago... A while ago, God showed me a picture. He showed me a picture, and, um, and I'll show it with you now. It was a picture of, uh, it was a map of the UK. And uh, I've, t- I've said this, I've told this to some people, but it's a map of the UK. And, uh, and as it started, it was focused in, it was focused right in on a live church in Newark. And, uh, and over the top of a live church, there's a, there's a banner. There's a banner with a name on it, and it's the name of Jesus. And this banner above Alive Newark is an identification. It says, this church belongs to Jesus. And everyone in this church bows in humble reverence to the name that is Jesus Christ. And every situation, every circumstance in this church acknowledges that it is under the name of Jesus Christ. Now, this, this map begins to, uh, to, to zoom out, and as it zooms out, there are other banners around Newark with the name of Jesus on them, other churches in our town that are declaring the same thing. And as the map zooms out further, as the map zooms out further, these names of Jesus sort of start to morph into one name, the name of Jesus that is above the town of Newark. And I believe this speaks of a few things. The first thing I think this speaks of is unity of the church within the town. And unity of the church within the town is something that we have seen and that we are currently experiencing at tremendous levels that we haven't seen before for decades. 
But there is church unity because there is one church. And so this, this picture speaks of church unity. But it also speaks of an identification. This town belongs to Jesus Christ. This town belongs to Jesus. And uh, every knee uh, will bow at the feet of Jesus. And when people look at the town of Newark on a map of the UK, they will say that town belongs to Jesus. That is what I believe, and that is what we are going for. But church, as we are uh, on our journey to build, uh, to, 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 to go to where God is taking us to, we mustn't just be concerned with building big church because Jesus builds his church. We need to be concerned with building big people. Big people, pillars in, 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 in that community that are pillars of faith, people that are set apart, people that are holy, people uh, that live a different life, people that believe in a better word uh, than the one the world has to offer. And these people, this is us by the way, this is us, and it doesn't matter where we start from, it doesn't matter what our life says about us beforehand. You know, Jesus himself took 12 people, and they were 12 people uh, that were unlikely people, and they, they were pretty, uh, pretty weird, some of them teenagers, criminals, delinquents, peasants, uh, that formed Jesus' team of 12 people that ultimately kick-started the church. And just like them, it doesn't matter about our qualifications or, ex- or our experience or, um, or anything of that nature. What matters is our, is our willingness and our, our yearning to be molded into the people that God intended us to be in the first place so that we might see God move through this church. How does that sound? Mm. So we're looking at three areas, as I've said, in Newark. We're looking at discipleship, leadership, development, and evangelism. And Sam spoke about discipleship last week, and this is a key part of the Christian's walk. Um, the, uh, this is a key part of the Christian's walk, and it's, it's all about knowing God more. It's all about knowing who God is, knowing his nature, understanding him more, and ultimately becoming more and more like him. See, at the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, the journey is not over. Oh no, it just gets started. And then we're on a journey then. Um, We acknowledge at that moment um, that our life does not work without God. That our ways of trying to do things, our own made-up ways of doing things without God do not work. They are ineffective. Uh, We accept that his ways are higher than our ways, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we're on a journey to try and be more like him, that we would love people like he does, that we would see situations like he does, that we would experience a life closer to how he does. That is our discipleship journey. It's not an instant win. It's a lifelong journey. And it's all about knowing God. And so that's why uh, it, it comes under at the knowing part of our vision. And uh, if, if, uh, if you want to hear more of that, Sam, uh, Sam spoke wonderfully, I might say, uh, about discipleship last week. Uh, so catch up on the uh, podcast for that. This week we're talking about leadership development as part of the growing part of our vision. And we're talking about evangelism as part of the knowing part of our vision. So leadership development then. Now it's easy at this point, I feel, for, uh, for some people to switch off in this room. Switch off. Um, you know, oh God, I'm not, le- I'm not leading a team in this church. I'm not leading a connect group or anything. So this bit doesn't apply to me. Well, with respect, I'd like to encourage you, but I think you're wrong. Uh, and so if I were you, I'd encourage you to, uh, to listen up. Because God has, this, God has this habit, and I think I know why he does it, but God has this habit of using incredibly unlikely people from unlikely places to accomplish unlikely things. 
already spoken uh, briefly about this, but this is a, a thread that we see throughout the Bible, and we see it in the, uh, in the lives of David and, uh, and Rahab and Nehemiah and Peter and Paul. Uh, these are unlikely people that God has called to do things. And, uh, and so if you're thinking that, uh, that God won't use me to do anything cool, God won't use me to lead anything or do anything significant, then I would say this, don't put a restriction on what God can do. Uh, because uh, God hasn't written you off, and so I don't think that you should either. But God, uh, God doesn't think our position is important, but our person is important. Who we are is important. It's actually interesting, uh, uh, God uh, uh, um, paints this picture perfectly for us when he, sent, when he sent Jesus, when he sent his son. So when Jesus came down, uh, he, was, uh, he came down uh, as a man and he was born into a, uh, an unlikely position. He, was, uh, he could have been born as a king or as a person of significance or even a wealthy person, but he wasn't. He was born uh, as, a, uh, yeah, as a peasant carpenter from a scummy town. And so God uh, loves unlikely people. And the reason for that, I believe, is so that when people uh, witness and when people see unlikely people doing unlikely things, they stop and they think, hey, what is going on here? That person can't do that. That's not a thing. There must be something else going on here. Well, there is something else going on here. His name is Jesus and all glory goes to him. So God, I believe, uses unlikely people. Anyway, a bit of a side note. Leadership development. (coughs) So uh, if we read from Romans 12, 8, uh, Romans uh, 12, 4 to 8, sorry, uh, we read this. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Leadership is a, is a gift that is given uh, by, uh, from God to his church so that his church may be led on earth. And there are three elements uh, of leadership, three basic elements of leadership um, that all of us in this room uh, fall into, at least one. The first element is leading ourselves, when we lead ourselves. And uh, and we read, I I won't read because... um, because I won't, uh, but uh, you can read yourself in your own time, Matthew uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, and this is just before Jesus uh, begins his public ministry, just, after his, uh, j- just before his public ministry, he gets, he's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, uh, and while he is in the wilderness, he is tempted uh, by, the, by the devil, by the enemy, uh, three different times, and, uh, and so he's in a situation where he has to lead himself out of a mess that the enemy is trying to create for him. How does he do that? Wow. Well, uh, Jesus um, says three times when the, en- when the enemy tries to, uh, uh, tries to attack him, tries to tempt him. It is written. It is written. Jesus quotes the scripture and Jesus' ability uh, to, uh, to know, to understand and to interpret the scripture. Is able to, uh, he is able to lead himself out of the mess that the enemy is trying to create. 
And so uh, knowing our scripture, knowing, uh, knowing what is right, knowing truth is part of leading ourselves. And leading ourselves comes before leading other people. We have to be able to lead ourselves competently before we can lead others. Otherwise, there'll be a disaster on our hands. And so maybe you're in a situation today where you need to learn to lead yourself. Number two, uh, leading others. Jesus models this when he, uh, when he, uh, he led 12 apostles, uh, 12 people, 12 men uh, who were uh, key uh, to kick-starting the church after Jesus had, had been resurrected. And, uh, and, and these, were the, these were the men that Jesus led. And we read this in Luke 6.12. I'm really sorry I'm going through this quite quickly, church. And I can't even find it, Luke 12. Oh no, my sticky notes come off. Uh, Luke 6, 12. One of those days, Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he designated apostles. Jesus spent time in prayer before he chose his team, before, uh, before he went to lead these people. And we don't know what he prayed to the Father about, but I imagine it was about this team. I imagine it was about these people that he was about to lead. And the ministry that will come out of that prayer is absolutely fundamental to, uh, to leading, uh, to, to church uh, leadership, to leading anything in the church. And so if you feel like there is a call on your life to lead people, then I'd encourage you to start with prayer. Because Jesus did. Uh, the third thing, leading others. And Jesus... <laughs> I love this story. So Jesus modeled this really, uh, really, again, brilliantly for us in, uh, in the story, uh, in the account where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And so in this, in this, in this story, uh, and we read it in Luke uh, 12, 14. Uh, yeah, Luke 12, 14. No, Luke 9, 12 to 14. Um, my handwriting is not good. Uh, Um, Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. Later on, he says, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. In this this account, in this story, we see Jesus modeling empowering people. Empowering people to lead other people. Because Jesus knew, Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that he wouldn't be around forever. Jesus knew that he had a purpose to his life and that his purpose to his life was his death, burial and resurrection, amen. And he will go and be seated at the right hand of the Father. That was where Jesus was going, but he couldn't just let things fall apart down here. So he had to empower people to pick up where he was leaving off. And so perhaps you're in a place where you, uh, you feel like uh, you need to, uh, you're called to empower people. And so, uh, so uh, that is uh, uh, leadership development. And in a life, leadership development is really key because we're, we're talking about uh, multiplying leaders. Uh, we're talking about multiplying leaders. And I believe that every single one of us is called to leadership of some kind or another. Uh, be it leading teams in the church, leading connect groups, leading ministries. I believe that there will be, I genuinely, I genuinely believe that there will be ministries of a significant impact into, the, in, into, the, into society that will be birthed from people sat in this room. And, 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 and they don't even know it yet. 
But we are all called to lead. Leading our families, leading our children, leading ourselves. Leading our town to Jesus. The, uh, the, the, third, the third focus uh, for us in Newark this, uh, this year is evangelism. And evangelism uh, we do because in Mark 15, 16... In Mark 15, 16, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's a, uh, that's a command uh, from Jesus. And, uh, and I believe that evangelism is, is for everybody. Because if we really believe this stuff right here, if we really believe in this Bible and what Jesus said, then we should believe in the importance of telling other people about it. And if we have had our lives truly transformed by Jesus Christ, uh, then we should, want to be, uh, we should want to share that life transformation with other people. And so this is what evangelism is. And it's not just for a select few people. It is for all of us. I mean, uh, let, me, let me tell you a secret. The church is, is, is not a place that we come to on a Sunday morning uh, to... Um, you know, to have some coffee, to sing some songs, to have someone explain the Bible to us uh, and then go home. I mean, it is that and we do that and I love that. But the church is a global movement of people. The church is a global movement of people who have found faith and life in Jesus Christ who have seen a glimpse into a better word that is spoken over their lives and who are excited about and committed to the commission that we have, who earnestly seek to bring heaven down to earth in their communities. That is what the church of Jesus Christ is. And that is the mission that we are on. But I've seen more people, I've seen more people, uh, sorry, I've seen people more excited about a new season of The Good Life on Netflix than about bringing heaven down to earth in Newark. And, that, and that's quite sad, but I think it's, it's because sometimes we don't fully grasp and we don't fully realise the eternal significance of what is in the pages of this book. Evangelism is for everyone. I believe that, uh, that God has a deep desire, as I spoke about at the start, to, uh, to, to have a, a relationship with every single person in Newark. That's why he sent his son uh, to earth to suffer a, uh, a death at the hand of his own creation. Fortunately, he was raised again on the third day and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. But I believe he did that uh, to pay a price, uh, to, to, to close a gap between each person across the world and in Newark, which is where we are, and God. There was this gap created by sin. Jesus closed the gap. And anyone who believes in the name of Jesus has access to the Father. And I believe God wants that for every single person. And so God says to us, hey, when you've heard it, go out and tell it. Go out and spread that message. Evangelism. Now, uh, just being honest, evangelism is actually um, a word that that used to and kind of still does scare me a little bit because I'm not the kind of person who is able to spark up a conversation with a stranger and talk to them about Jesus. In fact, the very thought of doing that, if I am honest with you, fills me with comatosing levels of anxiety. That's where I am, or have been, and I'm on a journey. 
And I see other people and they're able to do it so easily and then, then I get a, an inferiority complex and I start comparing myself with other people and think, oh man, I'm just no good at this. Um, but, but that is a journey that God is on with me and that is something that he is developing in me. And if you're like me, then I believe that God wants to develop that in you as well because evangelism is for everybody. But as a church, we need, to, uh, we, we need to make it easier for people like, for people like us. I'm sure there's more than just me. <laughs> for people like us uh, to, to evangelize, uh, to, to spread the good news. And so this year into 2020, we are looking, uh, uh, we, we are looking to be more intentional about uh, invitational events that we can invite people to, that are easier to invite people to. Now this, by itself, strictly speaking, isn't evangelism. But it's a start. It's a start. It's a way that we are able to invite people into a community, into, into our church, into something that they are missing out on. And so we are being more intentional about having uh, invitational events into 2020. Something else uh, that, we're, that we're really excited about and that, we, uh, that we're focusing on as part of our evangelism effort is something that we're calling Pro Newark. Pro Newark, and uh, and Brynny's going to come up and uh, and just talk just for a couple of minutes about what that is. Awesome stuff. I'm excited, church. This is exciting. If you're not excited, you need to get excited. So we were we've been thinking about this this topic of of being uh, of evangelism, and uh, many of you know, as a church is alive, we have the value of being invitational, which is very simple. We invite people to things, and so we started praying amongst ourselves and thinking. Why are we not being more invitational, ourselves included? Um, what's stopping us and how can we, stop, how can we change that? And uh, we came to the realisation, it's not that we don't want to invite people. It's really two things. It's one, that it's not at the forefront of our mind. We've got busy lives. We have different things that come to mind. And the other thing is, as, as Dom said, sometimes it can seem quite big and quite scary. And so we thought about what we could do and we decided we're going to introduce some new language uh, to a live church that we're going to start using week in week out and the idea is that one it becomes just part of our everyday thinking so it's at the forefront of our mind and as it just becomes this normal regular thing that we talk about it becomes less and less scary and so we're shaping this around pro Newark this idea that we are for Newark we are pro Newark and in being pro Newark we start with prayer you see where I'm going with this we start with prayer because we believe that prayer is the engine behind everything we do. That it's not us that are going to see people saved. It's God that's going to see people saved. Yep. And so we're going to spend time talking about who are we praying for? Who are the people that we are praying for, both in our families, in our friends, in, and in Newark, to encounter more of what God has for them? So the first one is prayer. second one is relationships. That we all know that our God is a relationship God that we want a relationship with him. And most of us met this relational God through relationships with others. It was first coming into church and having people being welcome and loving and supportive that made us want to be part of church first before we met God. And so we're thinking, who are we investing our relationships with? What are the relationships that already exist that maybe we need to spend a bit more time on? Or maybe we need to start new relationships. Maybe join a Park Run on a Saturday or, I don't know, what do, I don't know what people do. Bowling team. Bowling team. There you go. So be thinking, what are, the, what are new areas that I can be stepping in to be developing new relationships? What are current relationships 
that I can be building on. And then the final one is opportunities. Is that we want to have an eye open and we want to be asking God for opportunities both to talk about our faith, but also to invite people to everything the church does, whether it's a Sunday service, whether it's butterflies, whether it's Alpha. We want to have an eye open constantly to what are the opportunities God's giving us to invite people to that. So pro Newark, prayer, relationships, opportunity. This is the language we're going to start introducing every week from now on, but it's also language we want to encourage you to be having in your homes, in your connect groups and other things. Thanks, Bryn. So we uh, so we've got our areas of focus for 2020 uh, that uh, that we believe God has spoken to us about. Uh, he has laid them on our on our hearts, uh, and these these really are the focuses uh, in the short term uh, that that will continue into the long term. But so that we might see uh, the long term vision that God has given us come about. Because I believe that what we, what we have seen so far in Alive Newark, really, really, church, is just a taster of what God wants to do in, in, in Newark and through Alive Church. It really is just a, a taster. You know, we're going to have some real problems in the future with space. I am, uh, I'm, not, I'm already not looking forward to when we have to buy a whole load of new chairs uh, because there are so many people in this place on a Sunday. Chairs are expensive, church. But it's going to be a good problem to have because God is going to do amazing things. God wants to pour out abundance and blessing into, uh, into this church, into us, and, uh, and, and we get to experience that. We get to experience great things. God transforming lives. And that is a great thing to experience. And so our church vision is great, and, uh, and we're behind it, and it's what we're doing, and it's what we're working towards, <clears throat> and it is where we're going. But, but the vision, the journey that we're on is not just a church vision, it is a, uh, sorry, it's not just a church journey. We're on a personal journey as well. We're on a personal journey. This is not just on a select few of us, but this is on all of us. We are all the church. There are no people that are more the church than anyone else. We are all the church. And so we've got this vision for what, for what the church is doing, but I believe that God gives us personal vision too. God gives us personal vision, stuff that God wants to do in our own lives. Places that God wants to lead us to in our own lives. Uh, over the past few weeks, God's been talking to me about something. And uh, can, I, can I talk about wine for a bit? That, all right, some people. Right, calm down. Calm down. I'm going to talk about wine um, for a bit. Specifically, in fact, wine skins. Wine skins. It's a bit weird, isn't it? What's he talking about wine skins? What's a wine skin? For those of you that don't know, a wine skin is... Um, is an animal skin uh, that, that they used to use back in the day, back in Jesus' day, to carry wine. It's called a wine skin. And, uh, and did you know this? You cannot pour new wine into an old wine skin. So anyone with wine skins in their cupboard need to know this. If it's old, don't pour new wine into it. When you pour old, uh, new wine into an old wineskin, two things happen. Jesus talks about this in Mark uh, chapter 2. 
Two things happen when you pour uh, uh, new wine into an old wineskin. Firstly, the new wine is not in a good place. It is not in a place where it can be well maintained. It's not in a place where it can be well carried, well supported. That's not where it is. It's in an old wineskin. And so the new wine is ruined. And we don't want to ruin new wine, do we? But the second thing that happens is this. The, uh, the old wineskin breaks. The old wineskin breaks. It caves under the pressure because an old wineskin is dry. It's brittle. It can't move very well. It doesn't stretch. It just breaks. And so it's a disastrous mess for everyone involved when we try to pour new wine into old wineskins. And this is a principle that applies to the church as well. God will not pour new wine into an old wineskin. And so I believe... So this is something that God has been speaking to me about over the last few weeks and, uh, and, and it's something that he's been speaking to, to others in the church about as well who have spoken to me. And, and I believe this, when God speaks to multiple people about the same thing, it usually means, hey, you better listen to this. And so I believe that this is something that we as a church need to listen to and to, and, and to take on board. If we cling on to what is old... We cannot embrace the new. And if we cannot embrace the new, then we cannot become new wineskins and we are in danger of missing out on what God wants to pour into us. <coughs> and so God has been speaking to me about this and, uh, and, and there's, a, there's a passage in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and it goes into 5 as well. And this passage I read before Christmas... And then it popped up in my, uh, in my new, new Year Bible reading plan at the start of January. And so I'm thinking this is something that, that I need to say. It's something that, that needs to be said because there are things that we have in our lives <coughs> that we need to leave behind in 2019. And as we go into 2020, we go on without them. Ephesians 4.22 says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is a, this is a command of action. This is a command of action that Paul is giving us to put off the old and to put on the new. And I know what you're saying, but Dom, the Bible says, I believe, in 1 Corinthians 15 somewhere, that we are new creations. And yes, that is true, we are new creations, made new by the blood of Jesus Christ. However, we have a choice. We have to choose to put on what is new and to put off what is old. That is our choice. We must make the decision. And when we make a decision to put off what is old and put on what is new, something happens. I can show you. <clears throat> we put off the old and we put on what is new. Sometimes it's difficult to put on what is new. <clears throat> we look different. 
We look different on the outside. We're already a new creation on the inside, but we look different on the outside. And this is where the instruction from Paul in Ephesians 4 comes into play. And so there are 12 things, 12 things that I think that we need to highlight as a church, things that we need to put off in 2019, leave them in 2019, because where we're going, we can't take them with us. Where God is leading us to, they cannot come. And so here we go, 12 things. The first one is our old self. We need to put off our old self. We need to put on our new self. What does that mean? It means the identity that we've been given, the identity, the adopted sons and daughter of the Most High that we are, we need to accept that identity. It's already an identity that we have, but we need to accept it. We need to walk into it. We need to put it on. Ephesians 4.23 goes on to say this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. Church, into, uh, in, into 2020, we need to be putting off falsehood. That is lies, that is deceit. That is uh, not speaking the truth. We walk in spirit and truth. The Bible says that. And so we need to be putting on truth this year into 2020. Because where we're going, we cannot go there with falsehood. <clears throat> Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. We need to be putting off harboring ill feelings. We need to be putting off clinging on to things, clinging on to things in our hearts and in our minds and, and meditating on them and let, let, letting them get to us and get inside us. And going to sleep at night with that thing still whirring around in our mind, going on there. We need to put that off in 2019 and we need to put on letting things go. Ephesians 4.28 talks about doing something useful with your hands that they might have something to share with those in need. We need to put off inactivity. We need to put off laziness. This passage also actually speaks about stealing. If you're in this place and you're stealing, we need to put that off in 2020 because where we're going, we can't take it with us. And we need to put on service, serving other people. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that, that, that it may benefit those who listen. In 2020, we are putting off pulling people down. We haven't got time for pulling people down where we are going. Where God is leading us to, we cannot be pulling people down. Instead, we are building people up. That is where we're going. That is what we need to put on into 2020. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, church, this is an entire year's worth of sermons in one sentence. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not cause the Holy Spirit grief. Do not deny the Holy Spirit. Do not ignore the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is wanting to, to talk to you, to, to move through you, and we ignore it, we shut it down, that's grieving the Holy Spirit. We're not grieving the Holy Spirit, but we are being Spirit-led. The Holy Spirit has gifts for us. Gifts for us to move in that, that will build up the church, to edify the church. And we, we did a preach on this, uh, did a series on this uh, a few months ago, and we'll visit that again because the Holy Spirit is such a key part of our lives. But the Holy Spirit has has um, has fruit, and when we when we're, and, and it's God's uh, it's God's heart that we would enjoy the fruit of the Spirit, that we would enjoy love, joy, peace, patience. 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit. They are the evidence of our salvation. They are the evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And it is, is, is His intention that we would enjoy these fruit of the Spirit. So we are being put off trying to lead ourselves and we are, being, we are putting on being led by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32 talks about getting rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. In 2020, we're putting off bitterness. We don't have time for bitterness. We need to put that down. We need to leave it at the end of 2019. And we need to pick up compassion. And we need to put on compassion. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. We're putting off heartlessness. And we are putting on forgiveness. And walk in the way of love. This year we're putting off hatred. We're putting off uh, uh, ill feelings of, 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 of hatred or loathing. And we're putting on love. We're wearing love from now on. That is a command that is given to us. There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. It would be a lot easier if the Bible didn't have these kind of sentences in it, but it does. But we need to put off sexual immorality. Oh, it's subjective. No, it's not subjective. It's in the book. And it's not my authority. It's the authority of this book and, and, and God. We need to put on purity. Because that, that is the way of the kingdom. Ephesians 5.3 talks about putting off greed and putting on generosity. We're leaving greed in the past. We're leaving greed where it belongs in 2019. And as we move forward, we are moving into generosity. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. We're putting off obscenity. We're putting off swearing. We're putting off uh, foul use of the tongue. We're putting these off in 2019. And we are putting on blessing, thanksgiving, because that is the kingdom of heaven. And so this is Ephesians 4 and 5, and I'd encourage you to read it because it's not my authority. It's not what I'm saying, it's what God is saying, and as I've said, I believe it's what God is saying to us. Because I believe that this is really key for where we're going, because God wants to take us places. God wants to lead us uh, somewhere. God wants to use us to do amazing things, but, uh, but you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. And so there are things that we need to leave in 2019. Otherwise, we're going to miss out on the blessing that God, that God has for us. And so I'd encourage you in this, in this time to, uh, to ask the Holy Spirit. To ask the Holy Spirit what He wants to do in you, what His vision for your life is this year. And this is something that cannot be preached from a platform. It cannot be, uh, I, I cannot stand here and tell you because this is between you and God. And this is something that you need to uh, consult the Spirit with. And, and, and the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit does this thing where, where He puts His finger on something in your life. And He'll say, this thing. I need to do something with this thing. Because where I want you to go, we cannot take this thing with us. We cannot take this thing with us. 
And if, 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 if you cringed a bit inside as I read any, any of the things from Ephesians 4 and 5, that is the Holy Spirit putting his finger on something in your life and saying, this thing. We need to deal with this thing. Because it's an encouraging time, church, because of where God wants... This wouldn't matter if we weren't going anywhere. Do you realise that? It doesn't... wouldn't matter. But God has plans for us. God wants us to do things and we need to put things down so that we can walk into that. This, uh, this section in the Bible, uh, in my Bible, is, uh, is under the heading, Instructions for Christian Living. Instructions for Christian Living. And if you're in this place this morning and you are a Christian and you are living, then these are instructions for you. These are instructions for you given from God. Church, this is, uh, I believe, at the end of 2019. I know we're a couple of weeks there, but uh, but at the end of 2019 and the start of 2020, we are in a line. We're at a line in the sand moment. We're at a moment in in in, our, in in the life of our church where we are drawing a line in the sand, and we are saying these things that that used to be, we're we're leaving behind, and we are we are putting on new things because where we're going, we can't cling on to the old. Some of us are carrying pain from, from, from the past. Some of us are carrying pain of, of, of marriage breakdown, relationship breakdown. Some of us are carrying uh, uh, pain of financial ruin. Some of us are carrying pain of addiction. Some of us are carrying pain of, uh, of, of being just hurt by people, hurt by, 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 by church. Because we're not all perfect. And, and I know that some of these things take time. Some of these things take time uh, to, to, to heal. And, and, and God will heal things in time. But we need to make a decision right now at the start of 2020 that this is where we're going. These are the things that we need to put down. And these are the things that we need to pick up. Because where we are going, where God is taking us to, we don't have time. We cannot take the extra baggage with us where we are going. Because there is no room, church, because where we are going, we have a gospel message to spread. Did you know that, church, this morning? We have a gospel message. This is the greatest story ever told, and we have to tell it. That is our commission that we have. Church, we have a mission to accept. We've got hurting people in need of love in this town. We have a town to lead to Jesus, and we... It is our mission to bring heaven to earth. That is where we are going. And, and I believe we're going to see amazing things in the time of a live viewer going forward. Church, why don't we stand? I believe we're going to see some incredible things happen. I really do. We're going to see transitions from hatred to love. From fear to faith from lightness to darkness, from waiting to moving. These are things that we are going to see in the life of the church and they're not by our power, they're not by anything we can do, they are by the power of God. But God uses his church and he moves through us. This is what we, we, we yearn to see, church. This is what it is our mission to see, to see heaven come to earth in Newark. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, church, let's worship. Here I am.
idea, believe me, I have no idea what Don was preaching this morning. And part of this was the fact that for each one of us, God's got a plan for us this year. And on that plan, whether it's for us or for the teams we're in or the teams we're part of, God's plan involves things like serving, involves things like leadership, like evangelism. He's got so much blessing for every single one of us in this church this year and as Dom's already said part of this word was Galatians 5.22 not only should we be demonstrating the gifts of the spirit we should be enjoying those gifts of the spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, gentleness, faithfulness self-control he wants us to flourish as a church under godly counsel this this morning has been godly counsel worship is godly counsel the word of God and spending time with Jesus is godly counsel. The enemy wants to diminish what God wants to do. Where we enjoy godly, ungodly thoughts and end up in ungodly atmosphere. And believe this is the norm. It's not for the church of God. He wants this year, this church of God to enjoy the greatness and goodness of and blessing of 
walking with Jesus. So um, I'm really excited about where, uh, where we're going. Um, where we're going as individuals, but also as a church, as a body of people uh, to be used uh, to impact a town, to impact a generation of people who so desperately and so, uh, so, so desperately need Jesus. And I'm excited that we get to be uh, part of that mission that God has into Newark. You know, we like to, uh, we think it's really important here to give the opportunity every week um, for people uh, to make a commitment to Jesus for the first time. Perhaps you're here for the first time, or you've been here before, or we've been to other churches before, and, uh, and, and you've heard some stuff, you've heard some things preached about this Jesus character, um, and, uh, and you're intrigued, and, 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 and actually you're in a place where, where you're acknowledging, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. My life is not working without Jesus. My way of doing things is not fruitful and so I want to make a decision today to give my life to Jesus and so that he can lead me so that he can be my Lord my Saviour and if that's uh, you for the, uh, for the first time today then, uh, then we're going to uh, we, we, we pray this prayer every week it's a declaration of, of, of our faith and, uh, and we all pray this out loud. And if you're here for the first time and you pray this out loud for the first time and you mean it in your heart for the first time, then I'd encourage you to raise your hand after we've finished reading. And, uh, and I'd like to come and, come and talk with you and pray with you after the service, if that's okay. Let's, uh, let's read this. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.